0: Well, hello, River Valley. It's good to be with you here this evening. You need to know that this is a church that is making a global impact, a global impact. So when Pastor Rob talks about the $8 million, it's not for him, I don't think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's about the kingdom of God. And you, you may not realize this, how well-known you are, how respected you are. How honored you are, how impactful you are. And more than that, you also know that you have a great pastor in the house, Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca. Can we thank God for who they are and uh, the blessing they are in our life? So I know some of you are looking at me here or online and uh, 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 saying, I've seen him somewhere, seen him somewhere. You might have seen me at my gas station, (laughs) at my Dunkin' Donuts, at my. Dairy Queen at my motel, Uh, and then some of you are saying, he sounds familiar, he sounds familiar. So let me tell you who I am. When your computer goes down, and you call for tech support, I'm here, I'm here. And let me tell you, talking louder is not the issue. Problem is, I know you can't understand me, but neither can I understand you. And that's why I say, go to settings. And you get nervous about all of that. But uh, it's a delight to be here at at River Valley. As I travel different parts of the world, uh, there's a question asked in some variation, doesn't matter where I go, some kind of variation of this question comes up. It is, what's your greatest regret in life? Uh, Could you have been further down the road if something had happened? And and, and after thinking about that, I want to give you a thought-through answer, and that is, I did not have anybody in my life come by and tell me that, Sam, you have destiny in your life. Sam, God's got something going on in your life, and there's something special going on. There's destiny in your life. So I want to change that for you, and I want to simply talk about, I have destiny, you have destiny, and... We have destiny. Everyone together. I have destiny. You have destiny. And we have. Okay, get your fingers out. This is the most exercise you're going to get all day. So here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. I have destiny. You have destiny. Okay, say it like you mean it. One, two, three. I have destiny. You have destiny. We have destiny. I remember growing up. My mother saved all my report cards from pre K through. High school, which she hadn't, but she did. Uh, and, and, and in pre K, in the comment section, in the comment section, in the pre K, the teacher says, Sam talks too much. <laughs> Does not pay attention. In my K, in kindergarten, the teacher wrote, Sam has started biting other children. <laughs> Disruptive in class. Does not listen, talks too much. Talks too much. First grade teacher in the comment section, in the conduct comment section, uh, comment section says, Sam talks too much. Talks too much. Guess how I make my living today? (laughs) Talking. They've been trying to keep me down (laughs) from the time I was in pre K, but I'm here to tell you if God has destiny on your life, doesn't matter what people say about you, doesn't matter what you say about yourself, because I have destiny and You have destiny, and we have destiny. Four quick things about destiny. Number one, we all make destiny decisions. Everyone in this room watching me online, using weather for an excuse, (laughs) is here because of four to five major decisions we've made in our life. For example, in my life, I came to the United States of America in 1973, so I've been here been here a minute, uh, and that was a destiny decision. I didn't know anybody in the United States, didn't have any uncles, aunts, nieces, nephews, cousins, friends. Did not know anybody, and that was a destiny decision. Uh, second destiny decision was I got married in 1979. How many of you married? How many of you married? Can I see? Some of you are kind of going like this, like, what does that mean? <laughs> Having a bad day, are you? Uh, yeah. How many of you know who you marry is a destiny decision? Right. Yeah. So I've been married since 1979. I have questioned a destiny decision a few times. If you're married, haven't done that, you just align hmm Lord, this woman that you gave me, the third destiny decision I made was I was pastoring a church in Michigan and leaving from there and going down to Atlanta to be president of a Christian university. The fourth decision I made in my life, a destiny decision, was in 2003, resigning that to do what I do now. all of you in this room and listening to me are here because of four, maybe five destiny decisions in your life. Uh, Because you see, there's nothing frivolous about the decisions we make. Uh, In in the Bible, story about Moses, he's leading the children of Israel out of uh, Egypt, and his people he was leading, the Israelites, got on his reserve nerve. And one day he was ticked off at them. And they needed some water. They came to a rock. Previously, they had needed water, God had said, Hit that rock with your rod. So he took his rod, hit it with the rod, and water came out. But this time, he was angry. And the people were getting on his nerve. and, And God said to him, speak to the rock. But he was so angry, he hit the rock. And just because of that destiny decision, God said to him, you will not be able to go into the promised land. Now imagine for a moment, being Moses, putting up with all that, fill in the blank. (laughs) For 40 years, and one destiny decision kept him out of the promised land. You see, all of us are making destiny decisions in life. What decisions are you making? We're just moving into a new year. What decisions are you making about your life? about your marriage, about your children, about your parents, about your livelihood, about your job, about your business? What decisions are you making about your education? What decisions are you making about your engagement with this great church, River Valley? What what decisions are you making about, hey, I'm going to start going to that, I'm going to attend that, I'm going to lean into that? You are making decisions, but you see they are not flippant decisions, they are destiny decisions. The second thing is, there are destiny distractions. Huh. <laughs> have, have, you, have, you, have you ever started to clean this side of the house? You started there, but never really got to it? Because there were other distractions? When, when Brenda is my wife's name. When we were in college and she was chasing me. <laughs> hey, could be true. In those days, we didn't have text messages, FaceTime, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all, all us old people. So we used to write notes. So by the time Brenda and I got married, so we started liking each other in 1974. It took five years of probation to figure out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're going to do this thing. I mean. Let's do this. We're going to do it. So it was just a really romantic kind of a piece there. And it's like, are we going to get married or not? I guess. What does that guess mean? It's lasted for almost 41 years on the guess part. So yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been a good life. So we used to write notes, and we've got boxes of notes. So there's, there's this part of our house that's got these cardboard boxes. Do you all have those? Like, like there's a corner where these cardboard boxes, every time you've moved, those boxes have moved with you. And you don't even know what's in those boxes. Is that not true? So, so we said, let's clean up this corner. It's got all these cardboard boxes. So the first box, we didn't know what was in it, happened to be one of the boxes with letters in it. So we got intrigued. We sat down, started reading the letters, started fighting all over again. There are destiny distractions in life. I'm here to tell you, you can make any kind of plan, but there'll be distractions in that life. There are distractions everywhere around us. All day long, there are distractions going on. And next thing you know, you're in the... uh, month has gone by. Next thing you know, half a year has gone by. And, and you said, you know, I'm going to go back to college. And, and it just didn't happen because you said, I'll apply in the spring, I'll apply in the fall. Destiny distractions about, I'm going to ask her to marry me, but she marries somebody else. So, distractions go on in life. You're going to get out of debt, but you saw that thing that you really ni- liked and you pulled out the plastic all over again. There are distractions all around you. What's distracting you right now from fulfilling the destiny that God has for you? There are distractions all around you. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes we live such a distracted life, such a peripheral life, that we really cannot focus on the destiny God has for us. So before I go into three and four, I just want to make sure you remember that. One, two, three. I have destiny, you have destiny, and we have destiny. Number three. They're destiny developers, destiny developers in our life. You know, when when we are born, uh, we have parents. We have parents, and and, uh, our parents are the smartest people we've ever known. And then something happens to our parents by the time we turn 12 or 13. (laughs) Something happens to them. (laughs) And they're not as smart as they used to be. And something happens to them that our friends' parents are cooler Go live with them. are cooler than our parents. And then something else happens. By the time we turn 2021, 20, our parents start getting smarter again. And the older we get, our parents get smarter. My mother died in 1982, my dad died in 1991. I'm 67, and so often, I wanna just pick up the phone and say, Dad, what do you think? Mom, will you pray with me? There are destiny developers in our life, and pastors are destiny developers. You know, have you ever wondered what a pastor does when they get up here for 29 minutes every Sunday, every Saturday, just rant and rave and spit on the first row? (laughs) (laughs) No, they have just one purpose, that the people that you have entrusted me, Lord, will be developed further. They want us to be more mature, they want us to grow in the Lord, they want us to walk out the destiny, they want us to walk out the gifts of the Spirit and life, they want us to be engaged in life other people, they want us to be part of a community, they want us to be generous, they want us to be gracious, they want us to be the salt and light of the world. They want to, they, when you walk in and when you walk out, you are not to walk out the same way because pastors have this yearning to develop us, they are destiny developers And even the hard places of your life can develop destiny in your life. It was 2012. My older daughter, Rachel, was pregnant with uh, her second baby. Uh, He was going to be a boy, and uh, he had a name. They called him Jude, Jude. So we started singing the great hymn of the church, written by the great worship leaders known as the Beatles. Hey, Jesus. see? What a great worship song. So we were, you know, that was our thing. The room had Jude in it everywhere. Uh, there was uh, Jude paraphernalia everywhere. It was time for the baby to be born. Uh, so Rachel, her husband, and their older daughter, and us, and our family, and friends, we all ended, ended up to the hospital. Uh, they took Rachel back to have the baby. It took a little longer than it should have. We were all getting concerned, and then the doctor came out, and he said, I'd like to talk to the family. Took us back into the conference room, and says, said to us, we tried our very best. The mother is fine. We were not able to save the baby. Any grandparents in this room? Any grandparents? So you know what I'm talking about. If I knew having grandbabies was that much fun, I'd have them first. (laughs) Skip over the kids. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, they said to me, you never let us do that. You let her do that. Well, she's my, you're just my kid. She's my (laughs) grandkid. What about grand you don't understand? To say to you that that was, that we were crying and weeping would be an understatement. Yeah. We were heaving. We went home. The car seat that was embroidered, Jude, it was empty. Went to the house and the balloons on the mailbox, we said, hey Jude, welcome home, Jude. You're my favorite, Jude. He pulled the balloons down, one at a time put them into Jude's room, close the door. I've done many funerals. That was the hardest funeral to do. Jude. A few months later, we were sitting around as a family thinking and talking about Jude. Not in a morose kind of a way, but we were asking ourselves, he never breathed this heir, but there had to be destiny on his life. And what can we do to be a part of that destiny? So we chose to start a Christian school for the public in my hometown in India, in Lucknow. It's called Jude Rockwell, that was his middle name, Jude Rockwell Academy. These children come from Hindu homes, Muslim homes, Sikh, Jain, Parsi. None of them are Christians. They all come from the locality there. Every year, we've been adding a grade to it. Over 300 students are there. We're building a school there to accommodate 1,000 students, Jude Rockwell Academy. And I want River Valley to know that that $2 million project, you have become part of financially supporting the building of that school. Because you see, I come by to remind somebody that I have destiny, you have destiny, and we have destiny. Even the most traumatic events of your life can be turned around. A phoenix can rise out of the ashes simply because we know that we are people of destiny. Number four, it takes destiny determination. You see, it is not desire, but determination that'll help you achieve your destiny. Everybody has desires. Oh, I wish this, and if I could do this, and everybody has those things going on, but it takes determination. I have lived long enough to know there's nothing easy about this life. You may look at somebody and say, oh, they got it going on, but you have no idea. The determination it took for them to where they are, and the determination it takes every day to do what they do. It takes destiny, determination. Life is not for mamby-pamby wusses. (laughs) Those are big theological terms I'm using right now. Life is not for people who curl up on a couch with their thumb in their mouth talking about their mama. Life is tough. You have no idea the testimony your neighbor is carrying. You have no idea where they've come from, what they have endured, what they've overcome, the challenges of life, and yet here we are. So why are we here? We are here because I have destiny and you have destiny and we have destiny. In Jeremiah chapter 29, if the media team will put it up there, please. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse one. God says this to Jeremiah. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. Let me stop right there for a moment. This is the context of what we're going to read in just a moment. God is saying... I know where you're at. These are children of Israel who used to live in Israel. A Babylonian king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar came, took them as captives, as prisoners of war, and now they are slaves in another country, in Babylon. God says to them, hey, I know where you're at. I know what's going on in your life. I know you're prisoners of war. I know you are not thinking destiny. I know you're feeling hopeless. I know you're feeling helpless. I know you've given up on everything in life. Isn't it wonderful how God knows all the mess in our life? You can't inform him about anything he doesn't already know. But then he goes on to say in verse 10 and 11, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform a good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. I want to emphasize the next phrase. Let's read that together. One, two, three. To give you an, to give you an, to give you an expected end. He's saying to these people. You are locked up, and your expectation is you're gonna die here. But that's not the expectation I have of it. You need to know when God placed you on this planet, regardless of your challenges, the expectation of God is still there. There is not a single thing that you can do to derail the expectations that God has for you. You were born <laughs> with expectations that God has. You know, you know, it's enough pressure to live under my wife's expectations, my children's expectations, my grandchildren's expectations, my pastor's expectations, my my neighbor's expectations, my parents' expectations, that's pressure of its own. But to think that God has expectations and he can fulfill those expectations in our life. And what God is saying is, if I have expectations of you, then nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. And so I want to add a fourth dimension to this destiny. Watch me now for a moment. I have destiny, you have destiny, we have destiny, and nothing. Everyone yell out, nothing. Nothing. And nothing nothing can stop me. One, two, three. I have destiny, you have destiny. We have destiny and nothing. Oh, you somebody got to yell out nothing like you really believe it. One, two, three. Nothing. 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 One, two, three. Nothing. So let's do this one more time. I have destiny. You have destiny. We have destiny. Nothing. And nothing can, can somebody say that is true in your life. Nothing has stopped you. Nothing can stop you because God has destiny on your life. My 10th grade, my 10th grade, my 10th grade. My parents sent me to the best school in our city later on to find out in India that my dad was paying 25% of his monthly salary just to send me to the school. It was a Catholic academy known as St. Francis High School. And I flunked my entire 10th grade. Mm Mm-hmm. There were 13 subjects. There were 13 subjects, and I flunked all of them. Now, amateur flunkies, people who don't know flunkies, once in a while, occasional flunkies may flunk one or two classes. But listen, if you're going to flunk, have some dignity about it have some self-pride. I mean, if you're gonna flunk, flunk it with excellence. (laughs) It's like, ooh, look at him. And when I grow up, I want to be just like Sam. The reason I flunked is not because I didn't know, but I'd leave the house every morning with my buddies as if we are going to school. But there's so many other distractions. Just never made it to school. I found it an important lesson. You gotta go to school. I flung my entire 10th grade. If somebody had walked up to you and said, Sam, you have destiny. One day, you're going to be a university president in Atlanta, Georgia, USA. If I was speaking biblically, I'd say, get thee behind me. (laughs) If I was not speaking biblically, I'd say, what you smoking? Tenth grade flunky. But I'm a poster child to let you know when God has destiny on your life, when God has an expected end of your life, doesn't matter what happens in your life, somebody yell out, "Nothing." nothing, nothing can stop you. Because I have destiny and you have destiny and we have destiny and Nothing can stop us. Let me pray with you. Lord, there are people in this room full of destiny, full of knowing that there's an expected end. And I pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that that destiny will percolate one more time, that we'll feel something awakening inside of us, that we will put Distractions aside make destiny decisions. <clears throat> Surround ourselves destiny developers. Be bold in our destiny determination because we have an expected end. Yeah. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.